This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.omf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business. I'm on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock this morning. It's great to be back after our summer sabbatical and thanks to Brian Redmond for extending the breakfast buffet in my absence. This morning on The Bottom Line, we'll be talking to Alexandra Hamilton from the Three Counties Energy Agency about simple things businesses can do to reduce their carbon footprint and save money. Jason Clerken, Chief Executive of the company charged with the management and development of Kilkenny's Abbey Quarter joins us in studio to give us an update on work there and to answer questions about the development of businesses on the site. And after a summer tourist season unlike any other in Carlow and Kilkenny, Brian O'Flynn, the Falcha Ireland executive responsible for the development of Ireland's ancient east, will join us to talk about the last few months in tourism and what challenges and opportunities lie ahead for what is perhaps the area's biggest and most COVID-challenged business sector. But first, it's been another COVID summer with businesses operating under an ever-changing range of restrictions, as thankfully the COVID vaccine rollout has made great strides. And sentiment, uh, don't want to be jumping the gun, but sentiment feels more positive uh, in business than for a long time. But before we came on air, I spoke with Samantha McCochran, business editor of the Sunday Independent. I last spoken to Samantha on the programme towards the end of June. And I started our conversation by putting it to her that business was beginning to return to some sort of a new normal. Yeah, um, in June, the outdoor uh, dining came back. Uh, Then it moved to indoor, which was a big step forward, especially for these so-called wet pubs, because they haven't, many of those pubs hadn't been open for um, 15 months or so. So that's come back. And now um, the next couple of months are going to see even more step forward the reopening of the office, October 22nd being a key date, and um, things like social distancing not, you know, kind of going out the window a bit. Um, so quite a big change there coming for employees and for companies and, and businesses really. Very few restrictions really after the, the, the end of October. Yeah, amazing the difference a couple of months makes really, isn't it? Because if I'm not mistaken, at the end of May and, and June, like there was really fraught discussions over what now appears kind of like quite small loosening of restrictions and so on. We forget very uh, quickly almost how difficult the whole 18-month COVID journey has been. Yeah, I think there was a little bit of surprise at how much they accelerated the reopening because, as you say, there were certain things um, were just a no-no. Like international travel was like so out a few weeks ago and now you know that's not an issue I think people probably up until a few weeks ago would have felt really guilty if they stepped on the plane whereas now you can go on um, public transport and you're packed in and very little um, no real policing of mask wearing and people (laughs) taking different different views on what's acceptable in terms of wearing a mask a lot of people being totally sticking by the kind of old school mask wearing but lots of people just not doing that so there has been a tremendous shift um, I mean, the mask wearing will only now be in, 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 in uh, retail and in theory on public transport. Pretty much that's it then, at some other healthcare settings. But it's, it is a huge shift considering only a few weeks ago um, uh, we, were, we were looking at all these things with the, with the microscope really. And then as well as that, um, uh, 
the social distancing going, COVID certs are going to go except for international travel. So as you remember over the summer, the whole thing about indoor dining when it opened in late July, there was a huge amount of focus and negotiation on how that COVID search, digital search would work. Restaurateurs and pubs were worried about extra responsibilities and extra staff we needed. That's all fading very much into the background now as we kind of get back to just really normal normal business as usual in, in those settings. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned American tourists. I mean, there was a time when they seemed like the most exotic creatures and we wondered whether we'd ever see them again. Just this morning, I was speaking to someone who was staying in a hotel and they said it was quite busy and they attributed it largely to American tourists for golf. So that's good for the tourist industry. Yeah, I think this year has been lost to some extent. Uh, Certainly the summer months, which are naturally the peak months for tourism, I, I mean, I know anyone who's, who's travelled around Ireland will have noticed some of those uh, places in the west of Ireland and, and, and in the south of Ireland will have noticed that there just wasn't the American voice. But they they hopefully will come back. Uh, there is still some restrictions on travel, both between the States and the EU. But um, the, the, the fact that Ireland has really had such record vaccine take-up has really put us in a different position. And, and, and on... on it has put us in a different position, but it also is really all that we can do as a country in terms of uh, helping us protect ourselves against the vaccine or against against the um, virus. virus. Mm. And you know that's kind of it's, it's a bit at this stage. Look, you know we're nearly at ninety. We're in around ninety percent adult vaccine, vaccinated. We've done the lockdowns, and the message very much has been in recent weeks. It's your responsibility now. It's your job now. And I think maybe we have to remember that you know when we are on public transport. Like as I said, I'm certainly seeing the people being a bit more relaxed about it, and it'll come back to all of us to to, to, to make it work I suppose Yeah to keep the guard up Now I can't remember exactly when it happened but in recent months um, a big ship got stuck in the Suez Canal and, and almost brought a maritime trade that uses the Suez Canal all around the world to a halt that brought into sharp focus the whole issue of supply chains and how global supply chains but speaking of supply chains they're kind of in a bit of uh, chaos the pandemic Brexit and so on has had a huge impact yeah, like that. This is this is becoming, as you say, a, a massive impact for loads of types of businesses. So we've seen it really kind of in the UK very, very prominently. Like they, I think they need something like a hundred thousand new truck drivers there, and they've um, talked about bringing in the army there. Uh, Nando's, a very popular chain there. There's some in Ireland as well. Perry Perry Chicken is their big, is their big product. They had to temporary close shops because of issues with their supply chain. Um, McDonald's had to put a hold on milkshakes. Uh, Haribo sweets are in short, short supply. It's, in Ireland now, they're saying that um, the thousands of truck drivers are needed. But that's not the only issue. There's a myriad of supply chain issues. Some of it goes back to COVID. I remember talking about COVID in February 2020 before it had in Ireland. I'm talking about how at some point issues in China with their shutdown would lead to supply chain issues in Ireland. It's taken that kind of length of time for it to really become very obvious. Uh, there's uh, the price of getting on uh, transport, you know, transporting goods internationally. That's gone up way up. Um, there's, you know, there's been less air travel, so there's been fewer goods transported internationally because a lot of uh, export just goes on kind of passenger flights and that sort of thing and then there's been weather issues apparently which has hit on other products timbers up about 60% steel prices are way up so across the board food uh, raw materials all sorts of components for key 
products. You wouldn't think about small parts of big items are holding back their production and, and being, their manufacturing. So there's just a whole load of issues there coming down the tracks. And I think that's really going to be a feature. Even Christmas has been mentioned. I know it's very early to talk about Christmas, but that, that is coming through as something that will be an issue. Supply of Christmas goods, toys, Mm. technology all that type of thing so that's a big issue that we'll see I'd say for the last, the last part of the year and of course with supply and demand it'll it'll probably feed into inflation as well um, you know we've talked over the months about the changing world of work and uh it's been a difficult one to take a bet on. There have been times when we've thought people would never go back into offices again. Then there was another, you know, in the depths of February and March, people just wanted to get out and get into offices. Uh, what's the kind of view on what the future of office-based work is into the future? Yeah, it's funny how that's really shifted, as you say. Um, there's definitely more of an appetite to get people back into the office um, and a lot of the big tech companies, strangely, in a way, because they're the ones who, like the big Google and Twitter and all those big companies who would have imagined they were all going to be jumping on the remote working bandwagon, given that they've got all the, the tech that, to make it happen seamlessly. But what's happened is uh, most companies have indicated that they want their employees back, you know, three-day week, two-day week blended, as is kind of the phrase, flexi work, whatever you want to call it. So that seems to be becoming more and more clear that back to the office is, is coming and you know from October 22nd people will more and more people will be coming back in uh, Neil Martin Taoiseach has said he wants to see a stage a staggered return to the office so I think that hopefully will happen but it is definitely more back to the office this week there was a report from um, Deutsche Bank saying that the honeymoon uh, period is over concerns about well-being company culture, coordinating employees, it all comes to the forefront and now the office is seen as something that's kind of essential and and central to people's uh, business and working lives. Yeah, and it's going to be a a more complex office and work environment. Very much on this side of the Atlantic, the the impetus seems to be to stay away from prying into whether people are vaccinated or not. But um, interesting over in the States, uh, that could be very contentious for American businesses operating stateside where, you know, you could have penalties if if you're not getting vaccinated if you employ over 100 people. There's definitely stepping up the requirement for vaccination I can see why it's uh, something employers want um, you, you, you have seen it here, employers groups saying they're going to leave us in a very difficult position in effect, if, if, if you don't know whether people are vaccinated or not, you really have to behave as if people aren't vaccinated and treat it as such if you want to have a safe work environment but yeah, in the States there they're really, the pressure's coming on to uh, to, to, to prove you're vaccinated, a lot of companies have, have, have been very clear that they expect their workers to be vaccinated. And some of those big companies have said that even in other territories, and some of them have Irish subsidiaries, that they will enforce that in other parts of the, the, the company as time progresses. Here, it has been a hands-off approach to date, but it does make life more complicated for employers who are trying to do the right thing. They want to have a, they have a duty of care to their employees. Uh, so that is going to be something that we may see more of uh, as the return to work details are worked out in the coming weeks. Yeah, well, look, Samantha, an interesting uh, three months since I last was talking to you and we have the uh, the uh, 
run into Christmas to look forward to and maybe we'll be talking about the shortage of Build-A-Bears or PlayStation 6s and all that sort of stuff in the coming months. But in the meantime, thanks a million for joining us on The Bottom Line this morning. Thanks, John. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice, www.onf.ie. The heart of two counties. Casey Lauren indeed, it's uh, coming up to 23 minutes after 9 o'clock. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on Casey Lauren. Now, during the week, Deloitte uh, published their Best Managed Companies Index uh, and Awards, and good to see Carlo and Kilkenny companies getting mentioned in that prestigious list. Moji Build in Kilkenny and Cod Mushrooms in Carlo were both included, as were Clune Tech, which was formerly TaxPack, headquartered, of course, in Kilkenny, and Campion Insurances, also in Kilkenny uh, based in Erlingford with their HQ there and Carlos Burnside uh, Eurosil and Delmex so well done to everybody in those companies of course we're coming into award season and we look forward to bringing you news of Kilkenny and Carlo uh, Chamber Awards uh, which we believe will be making a welcome return in new and even improved forms over the next couple of months but we're going to turn our attention to a very big and exciting business project in the heart of Kilkenny City and that's the Abbey Quarter which was of course the site of the former Smithwick's Brewery. It's located in a very strategic site right bang in the centre of Kilkenny City. It's about 20 acres in size. Uh, business has been there for about 300 years but of course Diageo closed their site where Smithwick's and other uh, beers were brewed over many years. Kilkenny County Council then purchased the site and produced a master plan for the brewery site and the adjacent uh, lands. The company uh, that uh, runs it is a, a unique partnership and joining me in studio to talk about that is Jason Clerken who's the Chief Executive of the Abbey Quarter. Good morning Jason. Hi John, thanks for having me on the show this morning. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Uh, it's a big it's a big project. Uh, have I summed it up well there or you know it's it's a it's not an 18 month job no no certainly you're right it is a big project it's very ambitious and i think the master plan set that out uh, when kilkenny got involved kilkenny county council got involved in the project first they really had grand plans for what it might do and how it would support the expansion of the city yeah so and i that. remember going back to even as far as 2012 attending some sort of a thing i'd never been at one before i haven't been at one since but it was an architectural colloquium where they were putting forward all uh, sorts of of different scenarios so a lot of thought went into it but give us an overview of what the vision for the site is over the coming you know 10 20 years yeah i mean you're right uh, a lot of vision went into it and i think uh, that's an important point because there was a lot of public engagement in trying to establish what was the best use for the site down there and i think the master plan which was ultimately um put in place was a combination of all that public engagement with all the stakeholders and the vision for the site was to create a new urban quarter that's a natural extension to the city um and to create a significant public realm element to that including a new urban street a new park riverside garden project and then in the midst of that uh, commercial buildings including 
residential offices, um, restaurants, leisure uh, to form a natural expansion to the city. So support the growth of the city and also bring businesses back into the city. Yeah, I suppose the most dominant thing for many years was the big bottling shed, as we used to call it, and also some towers. They've been uh, taken down and removed and the site has largely been levelled in many ways. The brew house, which we'll get back to, uh, remained and of course the historic St. Francis Abbey. But is the vision then that over time new buildings will be added and you'll have new streets and you'll have, you know, different different facilities and so on. Yeah, absolutely. There's uh, The intention is to put a new urban street down through the centre of the site to open the site <coughs> up and, and uh, to link the other streets together and I think and in addition to that significant pedestrianisation which will penetrate the buildings and the site uh, for uh, public access and even the urban street in itself is intended to be a local access street. It's not intended to be a street in the, in the, in the sense of a high street. It'll be prim- primarily pedestrianised with local access only. Yeah, and there are 20 acre sites excuse me, is pretty unprecedented in terms of the size of a development in the centre of what's basically a small uh, a small enough urban centre in Kilkenny. You know, it's not a Dublin or a Cork or whatever population around 25,000. The whole issue of sort of keeping the rest of the town alive, or city I should say, excuse me citizens, but keeping the uh, rest of the city alive and not displacing other commercial activity. The High Street, for example, is an important one. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it was a really important part of the uh, master plan when Kilkenny County Council sat down and had a look to the first. It's whilst on one hand we have to uh, provide an environment for new businesses to come or indeed existing businesses to expand into, it's important that it's created in the way that it's uh, protecting the high street and is seen to support development as opposed to, or support businesses rather, uh, rather than competing with them. Mm. Now, um, phase one, if I'm not mistaken, is the development of, of the, uh, the brew house. How's that? going yeah, look, it's going great, uh, and I would say that overall we're very happy with the progress we've had on the on the project to date. I mean, it, it's fair to say we got off to a slow start down there, but I think all the the foundations are in, as it were, uh, to allow us to move forward fairly quickly. But Brewhouse itself um, went on site in 2019 and is due to complete in December, uh, towards the end of this year to be complete. Towards the end of this year, yeah. and so give us a, a sense of the scale of it and how many you know office seats I suppose has COVID made a big difference because the number of people you'd fit in an office uh two and a half years ago is different to the number of people you'd fit in an office now with COVID regulations. Have you any sense of the number of jobs that could fit in there? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a topical subject at the moment in terms of this idea of um, of uh, uh, working remotely and also working in the office. I certainly think that um, uh, businesses uh, models are changing and it will have an impact on, on offices, but more I think about how offices are used. Uh, what we're finding is that it's not that people want less space, they actually want to use that space differently. Uh, so they're looking at more collaboration space, breakout space, and then uh, desk space. And there's an expectation that going forward, some of the more uh, task-orientated jobs maybe could done, be done remotely, and then people are coming in to collaborate. But there's no doubt in, in with the people and businesses we're meeting, they want an office, they want a footprint, and they want uh, to be able to bring their people together during the week. Yeah, now I remember in the early stages of the pandemic, uh, the, the demise of the traditional office was, was forecast, and I heard people saying like well that's the abbey quarter that, that you won't have offices down there you can 
put that to rest and say that there is a future for office accommodation. Yeah, yeah absolutely there is. There's no doubt. And I think that it's a bit of a knee-jerk response when uh, COVID came first and people worked from home that we can do this. But I think long-term what people are finding out, and certainly over the last 18 months, it works for some businesses that people can work remotely, but for other businesses it doesn't. And I think they want their staff to come together. And it's important for collaboration. It's important from the DNA of the business that people can come together. So, yeah, I think people are just going to use their space differently. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Now, as the, uh, the 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 context and the objective of the of the uh, brew house as an office uh, center, I've I've kind of met people whose impression it seemed to me was that it was a space for startups, uh, and that they were saying to me, "Well, it's too expensive for startups. The the units are too big. They're not flexible enough. If we want a startup center, this isn't it." Is, was that a fair, is that a fair criticism or was it meant to be a, a, a space for startups? Yeah, I, I think it's important to understand what the um, genesis of the partnership is. Uh, yes, there's two public bodies involved in the partnership and it's Kilkenny County Council who are in a joint venture with the National Treasure Management Agency. But it's still um, a private, we're operating in a private market and we get private funding. So whilst in the long term of the project we would expect to be able to put some startup space, ultimately it's got to be commercially viable. So the first phase of the development was to provide new mixed-use office environments to allow businesses to uh, take residence there. But I think in terms of pure startup, we're not grant-funded. There is uh, no money available to us. We have to do the business on the commercial terms. And I would like and expect that longer term, as we underpin phase one, that we will start to look at providing landing space because it's important to the overall project. But it's got to work first. So first and foremost, it's getting some businesses down there that are going to be established and uh, that will allow us to look at maybe other options in phase two which we're currently looking at. Yeah, how many phases are there and what's the kind of commercial slash office size and how how much would the brew house represent as part of the overall uh, size of the project? Yeah, and it's it's a good question. I mean, it's important to understand that the brew house is one building of which there's potentially uh, eight or nine buildings down there depending on what way we do them. So the brew house is phase one. It's approximately 50,000 square feet. Now the master plan objective has about a half a million square feet down there of which about 200,000 is identified for office and business use. So on that basis, the brew house represents about 20, maybe 25% of what the potential capacity is down there. So it's not the case that the brew house is is, is the uh, the end of it and that we're just bringing whatever the brew house has is the jobs that we're bringing down there. This is just the start of it. The phasing is going to be based on market demand. So we would like to think that we're bringing a building online every couple of years um, uh, to meet that demand. So therefore, the development is likely to take 10 years, uh, maybe a little more, maybe a bit less, but the market will dictate that, really. Yeah, yeah. And how are you doing in terms of filling it out? Uh, there was an announcement over the last number of weeks that Glanby Ireland are aiming to be the anchor tenant. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I think that's great news for us down in the Abbey Quarter, and it's great news for Kilkenny that uh, businesses and companies that are in Kilkenny have given a nod of confidence to the Abbey Quarter and that they want to be down there and they want to grow their businesses down there. And I think that's huge for us. So where we are overall, is we've got some really good businesses that want uh, the Abbey Quarter's brew house to be their home and we're looking forward to that and I suppose in the next four weeks or so we'll be able to say who they are but certainly our expectations are that over the next four weeks we'll be announcing that the brew house is 95-100% let. With people moving in from from early New Year. And and that in terms of space capacity that could be up anywhere between four and five hundred jobs depending on how how people use that space. What about the charge that there are jobs that are there already like Clamby already are operating uh, in in other offices uh, and as you've said yourself 
and we don't know the identity of them but you know new bit new offices or new jobs not likely to be the, the majority of them what do you say to the charge of like you're just displacing other stuff or you're just gonna there'll be other empty offices in other places as people move out to move in there well, from a business point of view, uh, what's really important for us, and I think any development, is that first and foremost we support the uh, existing businesses in the city and their expansion requirements and their expansion requirements in themselves will create new jobs. And then uh, following on from that is to look for uh, new companies who um, want to come down to Kilkenny and set up. I think it's really important that the local businesses support us first and foremost. I think it'd be a big ask for a large company to say it's going to set up in Kilkenny when some of the big local businesses would not set up in the Abbey Quarter. Yeah, and and does the, uh, you know, does the quest to bring in new people, uh, can that be impacted by some of the political discourse that goes on around, you know, when you have people, uh, controversy raging locally about, oh, well, we don't want Glombe in, we want another multinational. Does that actually put off people? Yeah, I think I, th- I think um, like people have talked about Plan A and Plan B. I mean, there is no Plan A or Plan B. The, the ambition is to is to provide a really good uh, mixed use uh, office space down there to promote and encourage businesses to come down. And it's important that we sell the city because Abbey Quarter on its own uh, won't survive. It's important that Abbey Quarter works with the city and the city works with Abbey Quarter to promote the city because it's not the office space that will determine whether a big company comes down here. It's the living environment. It's the working environment and it's the ability to uh, provide employment locally. That's the most important piece. And then we're at the back end of that where we can provide really high-quality office accommodation for those businesses. Okay, Jason, uh, thank you very much. Uh, that's Jason Clerken, who's the Chief Executive of the Abbey Quarter, a massive development in the centre of Kilkenny. Thanks for coming in, Jason, and we look forward to progress over the coming months and years. Yeah, no, great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, look, it's uh, just after... 25 minutes to 10 o'clock. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. Coming up after the break, we'll be talking reducing carbon footprints. At the heart of it all. You're very welcome back. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock. Now, all through uh, the programme this year and indeed last year, we've been trying to focus uh, with regularity on the whole issues uh, posed for business by the issues of climate change. And getting to net zero is a very important uh, task for business and indeed for society. With me on the line to discuss how businesses can take meaning, meaningful steps in that direction is Alexandra Hamilton who's Senior Engineer with the 3CEA which is a non-profit independent energy agency which works across Carlow, Kilkenny and Wexford primarily. Uh, you're very welcome to the bottom line Alexandra. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you. Pleasure. Now, um, you're going to tell us later on about uh, free energy audits, which you're offering to up to 150 SMEs. But uh, can we talk before that, Alexandra, a bit about some practical tips, um, you know, for how do businesses begin the journey or accelerate the journey towards net zero? Yeah, absolutely, John. Uh, a good question. There's a lot in the in the media, as, as there should be, uh, regarding climate uh, change, and, and it's the time for action now because we, we can all see what's happening when we look out, out our windows at the, the, the heavy floods and the rains and, and, and the weather that Europe and America and across the world has had this, this summer alone. So we, we can all see that there's big changes in terms of climate 
and what can we do to help it? Um, the, the, the news is that we need to start acting now. We should al- already have started acting, but now is our kind of last chance uh, saloon, so so to speak. So what can we do? Um, so, so you know, really, one one of the main things is to keep the conversation going. Mm. I think everybody heard heard it in the news a couple of weeks ago, and again, it started to die down. So, keep the conversation going. That this is what we need to be talking about, and we need to be be uh, uh, taking action in terms of businesses and how businesses can get involved or, or, or uh, you know make uh, start to make changes to become, let's call it uh, energy or cli- uh, uh, carbon neutral. You need to have a look at have a look at what you're you're doing around you. So, what kind of um, energy are you using, and where are you using the energy in in your business or in your organisation? Because if you don't know where you're using it, or how you're using it, or what type of fuel you're using, for example, then you don't know how where to make the change. Mm. So, the one thing that I do suggest is you get the energy audit, and you mentioned it there at the start. So, one of the best things to do is start with getting an energy audit because that energy audit will look at how your organisation operates and how you're using the energy. And therefore, if you know where you're using it and how you're using it, then you can understand where to make the changes to to reduce it. Yeah, now when you see huge wildfires, as we're unfortunately seeing with increasing regularity uh, each summer across Spain or California, wherever it is, it can seem like a huge task. But we have to remember, uh, you eat an elephant, I suppose, to use that awful phrase, one one, uh, bite at a time. And and looking through some of the stuff, um, I've been very surprised to see, like... uh, while I had been aware of lighting and maybe you give us some tips on that mm. managing tea breaks in a company uh, that can be an energy saving and contribute towards net zero that's it exactly I, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head there sometimes we we can get overwhelmed by what it means you know what does climate change mean and oh it's such a a, a big and dramatic thing well how can I make a, a, a difference with my small small um, tasks but everybody, everybody uh, has, has, has a duty and a role to play here. This isn't just for, for you know, governments or local authorities or, or large uh, um, energy users or in, in, in industries. This is for every single member of society. So every small step we take can make a change. So again, you mentioned there exactly, um, you know, if you've got, for example, a, 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 an office with 10 people and everybody goes and boils the kettle for their cup of tea, 10 times well then we're, we're, we're using you know too much energy so a really simple thing with the kettle is firstly only fill the kettle up with the amount of water that you need if you're making one cup of tea don't fill the kettle only put in enough uh, 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 water for the for the one cup of tea or um you know have a designated coffee break um mm. you know 11 o'clock coffee break and everybody comes in and the boil the kettle gets boiled once or twice and everybody has their cup of tea together that's uh, that's um you know one very very simple tip yeah, and heating and stuff, because like even, but you often hear about people complain about offices being stuffy, uh, and the difference between having it at the ideal temperature, which is 19 degrees, I believe, and 22 degrees, presumably if that a degree or two in every office in the country or county or wherever it is, it's going to make a huge difference to energy uh, efficiency. Yeah, again, absolutely, John, you've, 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 uh, you've got it there. In terms of, you know, we all, we all feel 
the heat differently. So you, you could easily, and I'm sure everybody has been sitting in an office where somebody is roasting and somebody is cold. And that's normal because we're all different people and we all have our own different internal temperatures. And you know yourself, if you're cold or, you know, if you're tired, you might be a bit colder, etc. But in general, so so the 19 degrees that you mentioned, that's that's kind of the, the, the standard um, temperature for, for offices. And the way that we can monitor that is by, by looking at your controls. So again, in your office, look at what kind of controls are being used to, to monitor your heating. Are there thermostats? Is there a, a, a timer control on your clock? Or if the one person in the office who's getting cold uh, gets cold, can they go up and, and, and hit the boost button, for example? So then the heating is coming on in the whole office um, because that one person was cold. So again, looking at the controls, how are we controlling our heating system and how are we going to manage that in an office where, as I say, there may be different uh, people who feel different, different uh, things. Mm. So the person who's cold, are they sitting by the radiator or are they sitting over by the by, by the window and, 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 and that, that kind of thing. So, and maybe you know, even again, they could wear a cardigan rather than heating up the whole office. Absolutely. There is nothing wrong with putting, putting a jumper on um, and, uh, you know, if you're cold put a jumper on that's always the first thing don't 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 go straight for the heating yeah we're really in the rocket science bracket here <laughs> that's it you know exactly yeah but it's common sense really isn't it on. it is common sense most of the time uh, john it is exactly it's common sense we all know it yeah now i mentioned uh, energy audits you're actually very generously offering free energy audits which can presumably help people save money tell us about how people can get in the the chase to get themselves a free energy audit yeah, absolutely. One of the things I said there to, to do at the very start is to look at where you're using your energy and to get your energy audit done because that will that will uh, do all of that uh, work for you. So we in Three Counties Energy Agency, we have, uh, we're working on an EU project called CanCap and we um, are delivering 150 uh, free audits for um, certain sectors of uh, SMEs. So if you um, are a nursing home, if you're a convenience store or a supermarket, if you're a manufacturing SME or if you're in an office block, um, so any any uh, any SMEs or, or businesses in the sectors there that I've just mentioned, uh, you uh, uh, may be entitled to a free audit. So there's details on the Tree CEA website. We will come out to your building and we'll complete a full energy audit on your organisation and look at where you're using energy, as I said, and most importantly, how you can save it. And we, we, we uh, make all of the recommendations on the type of projects. So your insulation, for example, your attics and your walls. Do you need new windows and doors? Do you need a new heating upgrade? Do you need new new LED lighting? We look at your controls, etc. So all the things I mentioned there, and that will all be outlined in the report that we do for you. That's great. Well, look, listen, Alexandra, pleasure talking to you, and hopefully we can talk to you again and uh, help businesses come up with ways to helping the planet go towards net zero. Just give us the website address before you go. It's www3 the number 3 cea.ie. Alexandra Hamilton senior engineer with 3CA. Thank you very much. Thank you. The bottom line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you in association with O'Neill Foley Accountants. Our website, onf.ie, shows the full range of services we provide to businesses large and small.
good to be talking about practical things that we can do uh, for the environment and good to talk to Alexandra Hamilton there from Three Counties Energy Agency. From uh, decreasing our carbon footprint uh, to a very important business sector uh, in this area and one which has been hugely disrupted by COVID to tourism and great to see during the week the fall to Ireland allocated nine million in funding uh, to enable transformation of outdoor locations for outdoor dining and I'm delighted to be joined on the phone by Brian O'Flynn who's head of Ireland's Ancient East on behalf of Fall to Ireland. Good morning Brian. Good morning Jan. Yeah really good news and uh, Carlo and Kenny doing very well in the funding stakes uh, for transforming outdoor areas uh, long-term outdoor dining facilities. Yes, indeed. Look, we're delighted to, to announce the scheme. Um, the actual scheme itself was announced a number of months ago, so this is the, the announcement of the award. Um, what we've allocated is $9 million, as I said, to 38 locations nationwide. Um, and this is for permanent weather-resistant structures, um, which will really kind of drive that cultural change and take advantage of that cultural change that we've seen, the people moving towards the outdoors, which is well, look, that's been coming a long time before covid I think it's just provided an opportunity for us to, to grab a hold of it now. Yeah. Um, and uh, said, sorry. And Kikenny and Carlo doing very well. Uh, Kikenny, the market yard, 649,000, uh, which is just behind uh, Capel Street in Dublin and Limerick. So big transformation coming, and also for Carlo Town and Boris. Absolutely, yeah. And in, in fairness to the local authority in, in Kikenny, they were, they were a step ahead this time last year. They, you know, they put in some temporary seating in the market yard to give the city, I suppose, that for people, that's an opportunity for people in the city to, to dine outdoors when the traditional indoor option was taken away. Um, and to capitalise on that, now they put in a very ambitious scheme, as you said, 650,000, which will see, you know, awning, dining, permanent dining tables and chairs, planters, better surfaces and lighting and then provision for heating also so um, that's a really really exciting project Carlow Town as well on Tullow Street there kind of near Reddy's Bar and then on Main Street in Barth as well we've got a, a, a nice scheme there so but really great uh, look we're delighted to support it very ambitious schemes with both local authorities and we've worked with them both uh, very closely to get to this point so I think it'll be really you know transformational for the towns and will really add to the draw card for people as a reason to visit you know and, and stay longer and, and, and eat there maybe as they're passing through as well so yeah, very important for tourism that it changes and adapts. We'll talk about the bigger picture and the challenges and indeed the opportunities uh, that uh, lie ahead. But stay with us. We're talking to Brian O'Flynn, head of Ireland's Ancient East on behalf of Falcha Ireland. We're going to uh, take a break and we'll be back just after these. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small you're listening to The Bottom Line. John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock. On the line is Brian O'Flynn, who's head of Ireland's Ancient East for uh, Falch Ireland. Brian, we're talking about outdoor dining, which is a big opportunity. Uh, challenges and opportunities now as we head into the shoulder season. But first, how's uh, summer been for, for gradually reopening uh, tourist businesses? Summer all around, John. Um, probably more positive than we anticipated at the outset. Um, what we saw was very last-minute bookings across the board. Um, but just to give an indication, I suppose, Kilkenny and Carlow tra- tracking well above the national occupancy. Um, so hotels in, and, and accommodation providers in Kilkenny and Carlow did have a good summer. Now, short summer is a short short period, uh, and, and the tourism uh, year depends on the whole year. Uh, a good summer is always a good indication, but... Um, but I would say it's not all sectors within the industry were 
had the same availability as it was to trade. So, you know, we had more more restrictions on restaurants, bars, um, indoor attractions in particular, and so on. So, actually, if, if, if you don't mind, I might take the opportunity to point out to any of your listeners who are in that space. We have uh, two grant schemes open at the moment, which both close on the 17th of September. Um, they're modelled on the, uh, the CRSS scheme, and they're for accommodations and attractions and activity providers within the within the sector to get liquidity support into the businesses. So I'd encourage them all to just maybe if you Google Tourism Business Continuity Fund, you get it on faultireland.ie because we have we're looking to get that liquidity support into businesses to help them through the off season. Um, but no, look in general, a very positive summer season. Um, look, there are challenges that will remain through the off season. Uh, staffing in particular is going to be a major challenge for the industry. Um, it's not just for tourism. We're, we're hearing the same thing with the the, the construction industry now, as we're as we're moving into the housing plan, um, you know that the kind of service level staff is 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 a struggle going forward. But look, we we have a campaign out at the moment to attract people into the industry, as well as a campaign then to boost bookings for consumers as well. So um, we're doing everything we can to promote the industry in in the off season um, with the Keep Discovering campaign uh, right up to the end of the year, looking to get heads on beds and take advantage of of those last minute bookings, as they said. Um, last year, I think it was 1.6 million days of annual leave that were lost. Essentially, people worked and didn't get paid for them. Um, so, you know, people are conscious. They need to take their breaks, and we're looking to really take advantage of that uh, yeah. moving into the off-season. You know? Yeah, well, Brian, lots of opportunities as well as lots of challenges and lots of support there as well. So you're uh, encouraging people to reach out to Falch Ireland because you've lots of help you can give. Thanks for joining us uh, this morning, Brian, and apologies that time was sh- so short. That's Brian O'Flynn, who's head of Ireland's Ancient East for Falch Ireland. Thanks, Brian. Um, Thanks, John. Uh, and that's all we've got time for this week on the bottom line. Unfortunately, it's good to be back with you all. Uh, we could play uh, Spot the Error uh, game. I, I'm a bit tad rusty, le- left the odd button uh, on pressed and fader unpushed up but I hope it didn't interfere with your listening pleasure all our guests this morning uh, really good to talk to them Samantha McCochran Jason Clerk and Alexandra Hamilton and Brian O'Flynn thanks to them all remember if you have any comments or ideas you'd like to get to us you can email the bottom line at caselaura96fm.com we'd love to hear from you and you can check out this or any of the programmes on our podcast section on the Caselaura app or wherever you get your podcast thanks a million to Deirdre Drummy who produced the show this morning thanks to you for listening. Edward Hayden is up just after the news at 10 o'clock. Looking out the window, it's slightly dull, but not a bad day for this time of the year, so do get out and about like I'm just about to do. It's a pleasant 15 degrees in Kilkenny, and it's pretty much the same in Carlow. Nice 15 in a couple of months' time. We'll be thinking back to lovely 15 degree weather. But until we speak again next week, do have yourself a good time. Uh, Take care of yourself, keep the faith, keep in touch, and still keep your distance and keep safe. KCLR's Bottom Line. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie